Since this is Women's History Month, I want to talk about the history of the women's movement in the United States. The women's movement was a natural development rising from the philosophy of the Enlightenment period of the 17th and 18th centuries. Rousseau and other Enlightenment philosophers who developed the idea of democracy and the ideal society based their thoughts on the equality of all men. Well, this agitated a few women who began to speak out arguing that true democracy would include gender equity. But this idea gained no traction for at least another half century. The first wave of feminism truly began at the 1848 Seneca Falls Convention, the very first women's rights convention. It focused attention on the social, civil, and religious conditions and rights of women. The first, woman, the first wave is also known as the suffragette movement, characterized by securing women's right to vote and to gain political power. This early feminism was primarily led by white women in the middle classes and focused on specific visible activists, such as Lucretia Coffin Mott, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Lucy Stone, and Susan B. Anthony. This first wave of feminism lasted 70 years. It was 1920 when women were finally granted the vote, along with greater access to higher education and some professional advancements. But the 1920s also heralded in the Great Depression, leading to a reversal of many of the social and employment gains that had previously been won. The second wave of feminism, which began in the 1960s, came as a reaction to the renewed domesticity of women after World War II. The late 1940s post-war boom was characterized by huge economic growth, a baby boom, and a move to family-oriented suburban living, along with an idealization of husband-wife marriages. Women became occupied with domestic and household duties that defined their role in society, leaving them isolated from politics and lawmaking. In the early 1960s, several events laid the groundwork for the second wave to take off. Betty Friedan published The Feminine Mystique, a book that described the dissatisfying role of being a housewife. At the same time, President John Kennedy released a major report on gender equity in the United States, and the birth control was approved by the Food and Drug Administration. These coinciding events triggered the women's liberation movement that called attention to multiple issues that impacted women, ranging from attitudes towards gender roles, oppressive laws that were based on gender, significant health issues, domestic and sexual violence, childcare, and women's employment. Third wave feminism in the United States began in the 1990s. Its emergence is actually traced back locally to the riot girl feminist, feminist punk subculture from Olympia, Washington, along with the Anita Hill testimonies regarding the, the confirmation of Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court. There's a lot less clarity about what this third wave feminism was about. And this is actually deliberately, probably, because it embraces the concepts that things are confusing. 
that black and white or dualistic thinking is oversimplifies situations. It challenges norms and definitions and even questions what it means to be a feminist. While it included radical feminists who scorned gender definition, it also embraced the lipstick feminists who reclaimed the right to dress in sexualized fashions and behave in ways that the 60s feminists had rebelled against. The third wave created a post-feminist understanding that included an intersectional understanding of how race, gender, and class created layers of oppression. The primary issues for the third wave included violence against women, greater acceptance of sexuality, and reclamation of language considered derogatory. We are currently now in the fourth wave of feminism, which began around 2012. This wave is characterized by three primary things. The first is the empowerment of women through equal opportunities and equal pay. The second is a greater commitment to inclusivity and intersectionality that identifies how gender, race, culture, class, and more all create this complexity. And so empowerment and justice must be far more encompassing than what is simply understood along one aspect of a person's identity. And the third characteristic is the use of di digital media. And many say that this fourth wave is defined by social media platforms used to collaborate, mobilize, and speak out. The example most familiar to those of us in the room is likely the hashtag MeToo movement that propelled huge numbers into the streets in 2017 and 18. So many of us who have lived through these last three waves of the women's movement can see some of the astronomical changes for women that have happened in the last century. But the reality is that not all, and perhaps not most, women have benefited. Koa Beck, writer and editor of Vogue, argues that the major flaw of the women's movement, tracing all the way back to the suffragettes, is that it became more about individualized autonomy and power and not so much about collective advancement for all women. In fact, she states that if we could remove white, economically comfortable women from the picture, gender equity would be non-existent for most women of the world. The issues that impact poorer women and women of color have been largely ignored. The systems of oppression that impact them most have not been identified as feminist issues and have been often framed as personal problems rather than collective concerns. During the first wave of the movement, suffragettes refused to address the economic factors that kept many women living in poverty. The African-American suffragettes were excluded from marching alongside white women. And institutionalized racism in the National Association was accepted as necessary for the cause. The second wave of liberation ended up replicating the existing practices of power with individual women moving into prestigious positions in politics and professions, but without real change for women in general unless they were in the white middle classes. In reality, the feminist movement has replicated the politics of power already familiar in this country, allowing individuals to advance themselves 
in the economic sector without a true redistribution of power. Largely because our economic system has never fully accounted for the cost and time of domestic work that requires someone to take up this underpaid, underacknowledged work burden. Huge swaths of people in this country have been excluded from the benefits of this liberatory movement. We have failed to grasp the reality that individual advancement, while satisfying, does not advance identity groups or our society. We are only as healthy and well as the most marginalized or ne neglected in our communities. And if we ignore these people who are most in need, our whole well-being is stifled. As Unitarian Universalists, we are proud of our history as the liberal tradition. Many of the suffragettes were Unitarian, Lucy Stone, Margaret Fuller, Susan B. Anthony. We have a long history of women's advocacy and the UU Women's Federation is the longest existing UU affiliate organization in existence. I am vice president of the UU Women's Federation and I've been recently involved with some negotiations with the National UU Office about the use of an endowment we gave them earmarked to fund an intern who would lobby for reproductive rights at the national level. During a recent conversation, one of the participants referred to the UUWF as a holdover of toxic white feminism. Toxic white feminism. I had not heard that term before, but I immediately knew that they were talking about me and others like me who had our grounding in second wave feminism. Within a week, I had purchased books and searched the internet, learning about the waves of feminism and about how the exclusion of most women from the liberating efforts of the last century. I realized that I have inadvertently participated and a liberatory movement that benefited me, but at the cost of alienating too many others. As I studied and learned, the wisdom of the Reverend Nancy McDonald Ladd came to me. In her book, After the Good News, she grapples with the progressive dream of Unitarian Universalism. And she says, the UU tendency is to view themselves and our religious faith as exceptional, the legacy that prepared us to take our place in the arc of history as it bent ever onward toward justice. The danger of exceptionalism is that it can lead us to be paternalistic, acting as though we know better than others. There's a toxicity in our exceptionalism that we must attend to. In the women's movement, the voices of women of color and women of other classes were suppressed, assuming those of us with education and economic security knew a bit better about what was needed in the world. What was needed was a willingness to listen and respond to the voices that have been historically ignored. If we had listened better, we might not be where we are today. We have not listened to, or perhaps not believed, the stories of police overuse of power and punishment in black communities. We have not listened to, or perhaps not believed, the stories of the disappearance and kidnappings of significant numbers of indigenous women and children. We have not listened to, perhaps not believed, 
the stories of Asian American women whose identities have been hypersexualized and lives targeted. We need to change, and I believe we can. This will move us away from the benevolent paternalism that has led us to do fundraisers for people, that has organized rallies for people on the margins. And it will move us toward a willingness to listen, to respond, and be in relationship with others. I really believe that we are on the cusp of change, and I think that that's what's causing deep unrest in this country. But if we see our way forward with an open heart, an open mind, and an open ears, I believe we can move into a new form of progressive understanding, one that does not center us as exceptional. I invite you, let us go into this with a willingness to change, to transform ourselves, and thus transform the world. May it be so.